Yesterday morning, I uh, got out of bed and I was feeling quite out of sorts. Uh, I had had uh, something of a difficult interaction the day before, the evening before, and uh, you know, I, it was disturbing. And there was this disturbance that I felt uh, uh, when I got up in the morning. Uh, what we call dukkha or suffering. Uh, I was experiencing that it was a quality of pain, of despair. And uh, I brought my attention to it, you know, as, we, as we're taught, uh, and uh, made an effort to cultivate compassion for myself. Uh, and uh, I had a very intimate sense of the heart and the felt sense of compassion in the heart. There's a real tenderness toward myself in the heart, quality of compassion. Uh, and part of what was interesting, if you will, to me was that it was a quality of tenderness that on some level, I don't think I had really ever felt before. I felt more in touch with the heart, more connected to this quality of compassion for myself. Uh, I felt like I had more of an ability to have compassion for myself and the quality of compassion was more felt. The quality of tenderness in the heart was more developed. It was really quite noticeable and quite uh, different the way that I felt. So there's a lot I could say about that, but I think one of the things for me that was really important about that uh, is that that experience, for one thing, supports uh, the understanding that if we practice and we practice and we follow the teachings and develop the skills the Buddha asks us to teach us, uh, we'll, we'll achieve uh, the fruits of the practice. Compassion is one of the great fruits of the practice. And that experience also supports, supported for me the understanding that that takes time, that that takes time. Uh, you know, many years in my own case, and perhaps it could be argued that I'm a hard case, uh, and that when I came to this practice that there wasn't much tenderness in the heart. Uh, many years of making an effort to cultivate compassion for myself, you know, have been uh, put forth. Uh, and uh, it's a slow process. It's a slow process for me and for all of us. Uh, it's a process that works. It's a slow process. You know, the, the Buddha was very clear about that in describing how the process develops. You know, that metaphor that he gave of the ocean floor that very, 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 very gradually inclines downward, you know, and then it hits the continental shelf, and then there's a noticeable drop-off. You know, that little feeling that I had yesterday was, you know, a little bit of that noticeable drop-off point. Uh, you know, it's not like I hadn't been putting in the work over the years and the heart hadn't been opening and becoming more tender. Uh, it became a little bit more noticeable yesterday, 
but that's what happens as we make this gra gradual, gradual, sometimes it seems like we're not making progress, you know, but we are, we are. We're just in this process. We used to like to say uh, when I was in business, you know, change is a process, not an event. Yeah. I think it's true in the Dharma as it's true in business. Uh, you know, we sort of tend to think, well, I can take this compassion workshop, you know, and, and you know, and, or maybe I'll take this six-week course on compassion and voila, I'm going to be more compassionate. And maybe you will, but it might be very, very, you know, indiscernible and it's a very, very slow process, really. You know, we should take those compassion courses and read those books on compassion, but, uh, but it's a still, it's a slow and gradual process. You know, we live in this culture where, you know, we get results by just, you know, picking, moving the mouse and clicking an icon, you know? Years ago when I was giving a similar teaching to this, I, I talked about, uh, you know, growing up in the suburbs on Long Island and, you know, the house I lived in, you know, it wasn't kind of like, you know, wasn't, wasn't exactly leave it to beaver style, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had like this old garage and the garage door was just like, I mean, you couldn't, it was so hard to get my bike in the garage. I had to kind of, it was so hard to lift this door up. It was on this thing in it. And I kind of would have to just squeeze my bike underneath. I could hardly ever get the door open, you know, when I was a young kid, you know. You know, I mean, that's kind of like how the heart is, you know. We think it's like I get an automatic garage door opener and click the button. You know, that's our culture, right? You know, but the heart is more like that garage door when I was a kid living in the suburbs. So uh, it's a process, you know. It's about developing skills over a period of time, a certain set of skills. I always like the way Stephen Levine, the term that he used, it's a gradual awakening. You know, the awakening to the heart is a gradual awakening. So, one of the things that means, of course, is that we have to have determination, you know. We're, we, we're asked in this practice to stay with it over time. Stay with it over time. That's the quality of determination. Uh, the practice asks that we, uh, that, we, that we cultivate this quality of determination over the years, so much of the time, you know, and of course, here I'm preaching to the choir, so, because so many of you have been coming for so many years, uh, but over the years I've seen so many people, you know, you know, become dissatisfied and impatient because they haven't been making progress fast enough, or at least to the degree that they'd like to be making it, and, uh, you know, they leave the practice, and we see that all the time, you know, well, let me try this practice, let me try that practice, let me try this practice, you know. So the practice of the Dharma requires developing determination over a period of time. We practice, we put in the effort, knowing that it's going to be a gradual awakening, a gradual awakening to the heart. And determination, of course, is one of the ten paramis. Parami is a good word to, to know. It's one of those Pali words that's a good word to know and to uh, doesn't really quite fit in. I mean, I, I call the paramis the skillful qualities. My book, The Skill of Living, was on the ten skillful qualities. Initially, the book was called Developing the Skillful Qualities. I think that became the subtitle. 
people said, oh, that's a dull title, Developing Skillful Qualities. Uh, so I changed it to The Skill of Living. Uh, but the paramis, these, these qualities of our goodness, these qualities of goodness that we all have, you know, we all have these, qual these paramis, you know, they have to be developed. You know, they have to be developed. So, uh, you know, we develop these paramis, we develop these 10 paramis of, of generosity and virtue and renunciation and effort and determination and discernment and loving kindness and truthfulness and patience and equanimity. And when we develop these qualities, uh, you know, they support our capacity to awaken. They support our capacity to awaken. Uh, so, you know, the practice of the Buddha, you know, is, is really a practice of, uh, in which we're asked to really understand cause and effect, cause and effect. You know, it's often said the Buddha was a master of cause and effect. So, uh, the development of the paramis supports our efforts to develop self-compassion. I mean, self-compassion, as I said, is a very slow process. I mean, that was what was so stirring to me in terms of my experience just yesterday. Yeah, just yesterday. And there's other parts of the practice, too, where I've had very similar experiences. And, you know, this is what we're looking to see over time as we practice, is that we are making progress. But it takes time. You know, the development of self-compassion takes time. And what's going to support the development of self-compassion is the development of the paramis. So, uh, you know, if we develop these paramis, this will lead us to, be, to, to, to being able to have self-compassion. That's cause and effect, right? So we develop the parami of determination. We develop the parami, very importantly, of course, of generosity. Cultivating generosity is one of the most important things that we can do in terms of our efforts to develop self-compassion. Generosity, it, like all the paramis, they're all rooted in compassion. Generosity is rooted in compassion. So when we practice generosity skillfully, I like to call it skillful giving, when we practice generosity skillfully, we give out of compassion for the other. Right? for another person or persons. Right? Uh, so we give, if it's the gift of our resources or the gift of our time, the gift of our attention. We talked about generosity a few weeks ago. We give out of compassion. Compassion is the intention that informs giving, skillful giving. Uh, uh, so we give out of compassion for the other, uh, in this practice of generosity in which we're giving out of compassion for the other, if it's giving resources, uh, if it's giving Donna in the class, if it's uh, going to see uh, somebody in the hospital, a sick friend, or take care of a sick parent, or take care of our children, or whatever it is that we're doing, uh, this practice of generosity that's rooted in compassion, as we practice generosity, we develop the heart quality of compassion we begin to open the heart. Uh, we develop that muscle of compassion, if you will. So in the case of generosity, we're practicing compassion for others. We're developing compassion for others. Now, most of us probably know it's easier to develop compassion for others than it is for ourselves. 
we've probably often seen this. It's easier to develop compassion for others than it is for ourselves. But that's how we learn to be able to develop compassion for ourselves is by is through you know, we start with what's easier. That's why the first thing the Buddha has you do, he said, this is the easiest way for you to start to open your heart. You know, it's going to be really hard to open your heart for your, to yourself. You know, that's the hardest, you know, really. You know, so we're going to start with others. And it's always good, you know, in practicing generosity to start with beings who are dear to you and causes that are dear to you. The Buddha emphasized that. Give to the Dharma, give to your friends and to your family. You know, uh, this is the best way to learn to open the heart, to begin to develop compassion. The practice of generosity also helps us to develop self-esteem. To develop self-esteem. Uh, when we practice generosity, we feel good about ourselves. Tanisaro Bhikkhu says we develop self healthy ego development. We develop a healthy ego. We feel better about ourselves when we give. It's very, it's a very uh, counterintuitive notion for us in Western culture. In Eastern culture, not so counterintuitive, uh, or at least it's changing in Eastern culture as they become more. Well, it's probably changed a lot uh, over the last number of years with things like the internet. You know, in our culture, you know. The cultural sentiment is you'll feel better about yourself if you get more stuff, you know, and you get more notoriety and status. What the teachings of the Buddha would suggest, and of course we're asked to put them into practice, is that we feel better about ourselves, we develop healthy ego, we develop self-esteem through giving. So we practice generosity, we feel better about ourselves, we develop self-esteem. And this is going to support us tremendously in our efforts to develop compassion for ourselves. Because if we don't feel good about ourselves, it's really hard to have compassion for ourselves. And that's a very important, again, cause and effect. If we don't feel good about ourselves, you know, so people might say, well, that's a paradox. Aren't I supposed to have compassion for myself because I don't feel good about myself? It's not a paradox, it's that Catch-22, right? Well, the Buddha says the way around that is, is start to feel good about yourself by practicing generosity, by developing your parami. You know, it's only then that you're really going to be able to develop self-compassion. You know, self-judgment, self-criticism is, is, is antithetical to self-compassion. Yeah. So we have to learn to replace self-judgment with self-compassion you know, but the best way to do that, or the first way to do that, and of course there's many things that we do in that effort, but the first and almost easiest way to do that is practice generosity. Start to feel better about yourself. When you start to feel better about yourself, then you're able to open your heart to yourself. We become more able to open our hearts to ourselves. We practice generosity, we begin to recognize our goodness. Oh, I have a goodness. Oh, I have a goodness. You know, and this enables us, as we recognize our own goodness, to be able to open our hearts to ourselves. We know that we're good, good beings. When we don't think that we're good, then it's hard to have compassion for ourselves. The second parami, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to touch on a few of these today, is virtue. Virtue, or the practice of non-harming, begins with following the precepts to refrain from killing, stealing, illicit sex, lying, 
and taking intoxicants that cause heedlessness. Uh, but it also includes, of course, skillful action, skillful speech. Uh, virtue, non-harming, is rooted in compassion, like all the paramis. So we practice non-harming with regard to others, uh, and this is an act of compassion towards others. So again, we're developing the heart muscle of compassion. Practicing non-harming is also an act of compassion for ourselves because we hurt ourselves when we act unskillfully, when we act out on precepts or the different ways that we might act skillfully. So when we practice uh, virtue, when we develop virtue, we refrain from harming ourselves. So we begin to develop more compassion for ourselves through the action of practicing non-harming towards others and ourselves. If you really want to develop compassion for yourself, take actions vis-a-vis -vis yourself that are an expression of compassion for yourself. You know, and that really begins with the practice of non-harming. practice non-harming, again, we develop self-esteem. If we bring harm to others through our speech and our actions, uh, or if we bring harm to ourselves, we don't feel good again about ourselves. We have a difficult time having compassion for ourselves. We practice non-harm, we, we recognize our goodness, so we're more able to cultivate compassion for ourselves. We're more able to open our hearts to ourselves. This is the teaching of the Buddha. The Buddha gives us a very clear path for developing self-compassion, which is something we have to develop. We just need to know how to do that. And then there's the parami that I always say it's the, the overlooked parami. It's the one I tend to overlook, at least, which is patience. It always strikes me, I write about that in the book, Skill of Living, how Patience is one of the ten paramis. It really gets into the top ten. It's like the old David Letterman, the top ten list. Isn't, aren't there other ones that are more important than patience? Apparently not. You know, apparently not. I mean, I could do discourse after discourse on patience. I don't, right? When was the last time I talked about patience? It's such an important quality to develop. And it's a very developable quality. I mean, the thing about paramis is that the first level of mental training, which means that they're more developable than, than the subsequent qualities, or they're, you know, that we start, they're, they're a foundation for us. You know, the cultivation of self-compassion itself is a higher level skill. Start with these basic level skills, and we can develop self-compassion and wisdom and love. So uh, the, it's a gradual process to open the heart, to develop the heart, to develop self-compassion. It's a gradual process, and it requires great patience. Great patience. You know? We may become frustrated when we're not able to summon up compassion for ourselves. Okay? We might be impatient when we're not able to summon up compassion for ourselves. I mean, how many times have you been in a class where somebody says, I just can't have compassion for myself. I'm not able to do that, you know? 
I mean, I see that a lot as a teacher, you know? People get really frustrated or impatient with their inability to have self-compassion. And really that's a function of impatience. You know, we tend to think, again, we sort of have this, this idea that we should just be able to take the workshop or read the book and all of a sudden be paradigms of self-compassion. Requires great patience. This is a high level of spiritual attainment, self-compassion. So it's doable, you know, and we're all achieving it little by slowly, but that's the, that's the operative, little by slowly. So we learn to cultivate patience with regard to self-compassion. So uh, this is a teaching, and I, I, you know, that I've given many years, for many years, the teaching on the skill for developing uh, uh, patience you know, it's a, it's a skill that you can apply in all cases where there's, where you need to develop patience. And certainly in the case of your Dharma practice, the, Buddha, the teachings say that this is one of the areas where we become most impatient in life as Dharma students is with our practice, is with developing the skills and the qualities of wisdom and compassion that we're asked to develop. So we cultivate patience, first and foremost, by seeing impatience. This is one of the, like I said, one of the teachings I most, uh, that I really love, because uh, you know, impatience is, is very prevalent in our Dharma practice, and we experience impatience and frustration around uh, our, uh, our difficulty and the challenge that it is to open the heart to ourselves and to have self-compassion. Uh, but if we can see the impatience, impatience is one of those mental qualities that if you see it and bring awareness to it, it usually dissolves. You know? It loses a lot of its power if you can just create some space from it. It's not like anger or resentment, you know? It's like you try to bring awareness to resentment and it'll, you'll get a little space from it, but it's much harder to let go of. If you can just see impatience, you can usually get a little, and get a little space from it you know, and begin to start to understand the drawbacks in it by looking at it just for a moment, it loses a lot of its power, right? So, you know, the main practice for developing patience is seeing impatience, seeing the drawbacks in it, seeing that it's painful, seeing that it's block, blocking the heart, seeing that in being impatient, we're really being at odds with the truth of the way our human experience unfolds vis-a-vis -vis developing self-compassion. So, very simple instruction for developing patience, see your impatience. Now, of course, the challenge of that is seeing it in real time as it's arising. Seeing it in real time as it's arising. So our practice is to see impatience, just to bring awareness to it, go to the breath, have, have some space from it so you're not feeding it, and incline to acceptance. And I accept that this is going to take time. It takes time for the heart to open. This process is a process that entails a gradual awakening, a gradual awakening to the heart. The heart actually understands that. Acceptance is actually a quality of the heart. So the acceptance in and of itself is beginning to connect you into the heart, right? So seeing impatience, having your center, inclining to acceptance. It's a gradual awakening. 
So we put this effort into developing these skillful qualities. And if we do this, understanding cause and effect, this leads us to being able to develop the heart and open the heart. And the effort that we make in developing these paramis brings about joy, which of course is another quality of the heart. So just the effort that we're making to develop the paramis, right? And that's where you know our effort really goes in the practice, is to developing the paramis. The opening of the heart and the compassion that we feel in the heart, that's an effect. You know, we always would say, develop the causes. Your effort goes into developing the causes. Your effort goes into developing the causes. Developing the paramis. Developing the paramis. And that effort that we make brings joy. Brings joy. The effort that we make to develop, to have determination. Just the effort in, in and of itself that we make over time, little by slowly, to open the heart is joyful, is joyful. The development of these qualities and the effort that we put into developing our parami is joyful. This is a central cause and effect relationship in the Buddhist teachings. Develop your goodness, develop your parami. This brings about joy, which leads to concentration and wisdom. So develop these paramis. We develop these qualities of effort and determination. We develop these qualities of generosity and virtue. We develop patience. And this brings us joy. Now, this is the joy we know in being on the path. You know, we're not quite at the goal. We know that there's a goal. We could consider self-compassion one of our, our deep goals. We know that there's a goal. We can see it somewhere off in the distance. We're on the path. I mean, you don't know that you're on the path unless you know that there's a goal. You know? Because you don't know that there is a path. The path is defined by leading towards somewhere. And the joy comes from being on the path. So there's joy in the path, being on the path. There's joy in our goodness as we gradually develop it, as we develop our parami. We know joy. We know the joy that uh, comes from recognizing the heart and being able to, little by slowly, come to know and live in the heart as it gradually opens. <clears throat>